When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. Speaking of bringing you back safely... The stories for this episode are spooky and may have moments that are not suitable for younger listeners. If you're responsible for tender ears, you might want to listen first or forge ahead and enjoy the chills. It's fall here in the Northern Hemisphere and the leaves have been glorious. Brilliant reds, yellows, and rich smells of wood smoke and earth This weekend, the snow decided to make an early entrance, a reminder that this soon would be winter's domain. I took a walk in the twilight, enjoying the snow tucking in sagging gardens and the quiet patter of leaves letting go of branches. As I wandered through the neighborhood, I noticed a house with a for-sale sign out front. It was a classic ranch house with open windows, the rooms empty and visible from the street. I stopped and looked at the house. The tall tree out front must have been a deer climbing tree at one time. The flower beds filling with snow where someone must have planted in the springtime and the empty driveway where there were no longer cars. As I looked at it, I realized the front door was open. Just a crack. Had it been that way when I stopped to look? It isn't a good idea to leave a door standing open even in an empty house. I made my way up the driveway and the front walk, my feet leaving prints in the snow. I approached the front door, and as I reached out my hand, the door swung open a little bit more. The teller for this episode is Ingrid Nixon. She's an award-winning, world-traveling storyteller who loves nothing more than to whisk away listeners on journeys of the imagination— exploration, nail-biters, lies, tall tales, traditional and personal stories, she tells them all, bringing characters to life using voices, gesture, and animated facial expression. Now you'll hear her voice. This is a story from her album, Lost Hearts and Other Creepy Stories. This is the tale, Mary Colhane. Mary Colhane lived in faraway Ireland. She was the oldest of six children, and they were poor. Dirt poor, you might say. The only job her father could get was digging graves in the graveyard at the far edge of town. Well, one day, her father came home from work. Bone-tired he was. He plopped himself down in the nearest chair, and then he said, Ah, I can't believe it. I left me prize blackthorn walking stick back at the graveyard, leaning against a tree. It's the only thing me dear pa gave me. Oh, I'd hate to lose it. It's not going to be there by morning. Mary came out of the kitchen, still wearing her apron. She said, I'll get it for you, father. 
She grabbed her shawl and wrapped it around her shoulders, and she ran out the door before anyone could stop her. Because no one, no one went to the cemetery after dark. It was dark before she got there, but a big moon was on the horizon as she entered the cemetery gate. She'd been there many times before. Graveyards didn't scare her. She walked carefully around the graves, for she had been taught from the time she was a wee lass not to walk on the graves, because that was bad luck. She picked her way around the graves until she saw the black thorn walking stick leaning against the old oak tree. But then Mary forgot to watch where she was stepping, and she fell into an open grave. As quickly as she could, she got up on her hands and knees, but as she did so, she felt someone or something crawl onto her back. She could see its scaly fingers on her shoulder. She could smell its fetid breath. The thing hissed in her ear, Ah, Mary Colhane, I've been waiting for you. Now you must take me to town. I need to feed. Mary could feel in her bones that this thing was evil. She suddenly had no will of her own. She could only do as the evil creature told her to do. She reached up to the top of the grave and began to pull herself up with all her strength. She felt and so she carried the weight of the world on her back. But somehow, she managed to crawl out of that grave. She collapsed on the grass. The creature said, Ah, get up, Mary Colleen. Get up. Take me to town. Mary rose slowly, and with the creature riding on her back, she trudged toward the village. They came to the main road where the first house appeared, and the creature said, Ah, now, Mary Colhane, take me into this house. I hunger, I thirst. Mary turned up the walkway. She took one step, two step. But before she could take a third step, the creature hissed, Ah, back away, back away. Ah, I smell the stench of holy water. Mary backed away. She continued down the road. When she came to the second house, the creature said, Ah, Mary Colley, bring me inside this house. So she turned up the walk. She took one step, two step. But again, before she could take the third, the creature hissed, Ah, back away, back away. Oh, oh, I smell that stench of holy water. Mary again retreated. She continued to walk down the road until they came to the third house. Mary knew the family that lived in this house. It was the O'Briens. Mary went to school with the three boys who lived there. Oh, the O'Briens, they owned some land, but it was no good for farming. They were very poor. The thing said, ah, let us go in here. Mary turned up the walkway toward the O'Briens' house, she took one step, two steps, three steps, four. The creature said, ah, good. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Zombie Vegan Bar. 
feeling like a snack but don't want to snack on your friends? We get that being undead comes with a few social restrictions. When temptation strikes, reach for the brains of the natural world and have a zombie vegan bar filled with all things that are like brains, but natural. Get a mouthful of walnuts, cauliflower, and jackfruit for that chewy satisfaction that will keep you from chewing on your friends. All ingredients are organic instead of organs. Zombie Vegan Bar. Save your appetite for only those with the best brains. This episode is also brought to you by the new Golden Apple Patreon supporter, Leanna Weeb. Leanna has something in common with Cinderella, as in the Cinderella from Disney. She can speak mouse. This unique talent means her kitchen is always spotless. She never worries about them nibbling at her paper products. And in the summer, she produces a seasonal mouse circus that is really a sight to see. She's also a generous supporter of storytelling, which is pretty cool. All patrons, from the Magic Beans to the Seven League Boots, get a story story postcard four times a year. The postcards will feature one of the delightful fairy tale sponsor images. Would you like to get a postcard from the podcast? If you sign up as a patron at any level, you will get one in the mail this December. Wherever you are in the world, become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash story story podcast or story story podcast.com. I paused, my hand out, watching the door swing open wide enough to let me in. I peered into the shadowed house. I could see the kitchen, and from it came a dripping, echoing sound. The doors of the rooms down the hall slammed, one after the other, making me jump. I reached out and I grabbed the doorknob and then saw it. The rocking chair in the living room, sitting in the middle of the floor, slowly rocking, back and forth with a slow creaking sound. How had I not noticed that before? The voice seemed to come right next to my neck and chilled me more than the snow outside. Come in, storyteller. Come in and hear a story. I paused, took a deep breath, and fairly shouted, Nope! I swung the door closed and pretended not to notice how the door kept rattling long after my hand left the doorknob. I didn't look at those empty windows to see if any silhouette was watching me. I didn't look back until I had passed over the bridge that spans the left-hand river, for no dark magic can cross running water. When I did look back, I saw my footprints in the snow, and up until I crossed the bridge, there was a second set of prints, as if something unseen had been following me. And now, for the second part of Mary Colhane by storyteller Ingrid Nixon. They entered the house. The thing said, Take me into the kitchen, Mary Colhane. Find something for me to eat. Mary walked down the darkened hallway to the kitchen. And there she let the creature slide off her back and into a chair. Quickly, Medical Hain, I don't have much time. 
Mary looked through all the cupboards, but she finally turned. She said, I'm sorry, all I could find is oatmeal. Oh, Mary Colleen, I will teach these people not to leave me anything. Let me get on your back. Again, Mary did as a creature commanded her to do. Now take me up those stairs, it said. No, Mary said inside her head, but she was powerless under the weight of the evil one's spell. She slowly made her way up to the top of the stairs. And there in the moonlight, she could barely make out the figures of three boys, her friends, fast asleep in their beds. The creature slid off her back and went over to each boy. He took out a sharp knife and a vial and slit each boy's finger and squeezed. With the first drop of blood, their breathing stopped. With the second drop of blood, their hearts stopped beating. And with the third drop of blood, all life left their bodies. The creature took the vial of blood and climbed onto Mary's back. Take me down into the kitchen, Mary so we may feast. Mary carried the thing back down into the kitchen, and it slid off her back once again into a chair. Mary made the oatmeal, and she divided it between two bowls. The thing took the vial of blood and poured equal shares of blood over each bowl, and then it pushed a bowl towards Mary and said, Eat! No, no, Mary pleaded. She could not eat the bloody oatmeal. But the thing said, Eat it, Mary Colhane. You will get used to it, just as I have. Mary picked up a spoon and scooped up some of that bloody oatmeal and she slowly brought that spoon toward her lips. The creature, satisfied, picked up his own bowl and (laughs) greedily gobbled up his portion. Mary saw her chance. She quickly dumped her bowl of bloody oatmeal onto her apron, and then she untied her apron and balled it up on her lap. She wiped her sleeve across her mouth just as the creature looked up. It looked at her empty bowl. Good, it said. Now, Mary Colhane, clean up this place so no one will know that we were here. Mary reached for the two bowls and carried them to the sink. She managed to hide her apron from the thing. She washed the bowls and she waited until the creature turned away and then she put the apron and the two bowls into the cabinet. Hurry, Mary Colhane, I must get back to my grave before morning. She slowly walked over, and again the creature crawled onto her back. Mary turned to go down the hallway, but it hissed, No, Mary Colhane, we cannot leave by the way we came, for it is a way of all evil creatures we must return by a different path. Mary turned around and went out the back door, and as she walked down the steps, the creature laughed and hissed. (laughs) 
a medical lane. Look up. Tell me what you see. Mary looked out at the horizon. I see the three hills that they call the Haunted Hills. Do you know why they call them the Haunted Hills, Mary Colhane? I will tell you why. Because buried in that middle hill is all the gold and silver the evil ones have gathered through these many, many years. Only the dead know about it. Mary began to fear for her own life, for now she knew about the gold. They walked into the night, the creature laughing and taunting and telling her stories, evil stories. Finally, they started to approach the cemetery by the back road. And as they did, they heard, ah, ah, ah! the creature hissed, Mary Colleen, what is that awful sound? Well, Mary knew full well it was a rooster, and that morning must be nigh, but she said, uh, uh, tis nothing, the bleeding of a sheep. Hurry, Miracle Hain, hurry. Mary reached the graveyard and was trying to find her way around the graves when the inky black sky turned to soft gray. And again they heard, Ah, ah, ah! ah Miracle Hain, what is that foul noise? It is nothing, I say. Nothing. A barking of a dog? Quickly, medical Hain, for I feel myself weakening. Mary saw the open grave, and she walked slowly towards it. Just then, the rooster crowed again. And the first beam of morning sunlight shot across the sky and into the graveyard. Mary felt the creature fall from her shoulders and into the pit. And as it did, it cried, Oh, Mary Colhane, if I would have known you were to live, I never would have told you about the gold. Mary suddenly felt like a great weight had been lifted from her shoulders. She had back her own will. She whirled around and looked down in the grave, but all she saw were the whitened bones of the evil creature. She grabbed her father's walking stick and ran home. Then she threw herself into her bed and fell into a deep sleep. That morning, her mother ran into her room. Mary, Mary, wake up. Something terrible has happened to the O'Brien boys. Mary, Mary, wake up. Mary stirred. Her mother could see that her hair was matted and tangled, and there were dark circles under her eyes. Her dress was dirty. Mary's mother backed away. Mary, get some sleep, Mary. Then meet us at the O'Brien's. Mary again fell into a deep sleep, but this time it was full of dreams, dreams of that evil creature, of the boys, of the knife, of the blood, oh, the blood. Then she suddenly woke up. She realized this was not a dream. This had happened. But she remembered something else. As they were walking back to the graveyard, she had asked the evil creature if there wasn't some way, if it, some way that the boys could have lived. The creature just laughed. <laughs> Ah, Mary Colleen, there's always a way. 
You see, if they were to drink their own blood, they would live. But as I ate my portion and you ate your portion, there is no way. But Mary had not eaten her portion. So maybe, just maybe, Mary washed her face and put on a fresh dress and ran to town. She went to the O'Brien's house. A crowd gathered around the grief-stricken parents. She ran up to Mr. O'Brien and said, Please, please, let me inside. Oh, no, Mary, I can't do that. What's upstairs in that bedroom is not fit for a young lass to see. Oh, but you don't understand. I think I know how to save your boys. I beg of you. Oh, Mary, if you could save my three sons, I would give you anything, anything in my power to give. Just let me go in alone, Mary said. Mr. O'Brien cleared the house, and Mary entered. She went to the kitchen cupboard, and there was the apron with the bloody oatmeal just where she had left it. She grabbed the apron, and she ran up the stairs. There she saw the lifeless forms of the three boys. She went over to the first boy. She stuck her finger in the bloody oatmeal, and then opened the boy's mouth and smeared that bloody oatmeal on his tongue. And then she waited and watched. Blood flushed into the boy's pale skin, and he <gasps> gasped. He took a breath. His eyes fluttered open. She did the same to the next two boys, and they all came back to life. A few minutes later, Mary walked down those stairs, followed by the three O'Brien boys all very much alive. And for three days and three nights, there was a celebration like none before. And on the third night, Mr. O'Brien came to Mary, said, Mary, you have made me the happiest man to ever live. You gave me back my boys. And Mary, I want to give you something, anything, name it, please, Mary, tell me. Well, said Mary, would you give me that land behind your house? The one with the three hills on it? Done. So right there they wrote up a contract. And when Mary became of age, she married the eldest of the three boys. They built their house on that middle hill. And when they dug down for the foundation, they found gold and jewels, and silver. There was enough there to make Mary Colhane a very rich woman. And her father never had to dig another grave again. Mary and her husband lived a good life. But there was something that Mary always did. There by the door, she always kept a bowl of holy water. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Ingrid Nixon at IngridNixon.com and tell her you heard her on the podcast and now want to hear her tell more stories. We are in strange times for performing artists, but art is needed now more than ever. So many storytellers are doing online events, so you, yes you, can see and hear some of your favorite storytellers of the podcast tell stories from the comfort of your home. 
These may be different times, but the opportunities to connect with the magic of live storytelling are abundant. Go find your favorite tellers from the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Did you know you can connect with the podcast on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or me at Rachel Ann Harding. You can see the fairy tale sponsor ads on the Story Story Podcast Instagram and Facebook page. While you're there, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was all the interesting nutrition bars that are on the shelves at the supermarket. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was episode 32 of the podcast that aired all the way back in 2017. The music is by Pottington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.